1: And what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast tonight. Paul and I are here. Uh, well, Paul, you're there, and I'm here, and we're gonna do a quick intro, virtually, virtually to uh, bring everybody up to speed on what's going on around the state and uh, news from around our first, world. First, first, first day, of dear gun man, it in is.
2: this uh, this beautiful state that we live in. I I was out on a hunt. Let's see. 4.9 miles today. Pretty, pretty, pretty minor, pretty minor day in the deer woods. If I do say so myself,
1: so. that's minor in your world for, for some <sighs> of us, you know, a couple hundred yards <laughs> hang up in the tree and then be done with it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. At least I went bow hunting, right? Oh, we'll get into that one Foreshadow. So what you up to, man, I, I, I we spent days together and now I, I haven't seen you in, Five days.
1: I I didn't talk to you today until six o'clock this evening, which is unheard of. It was weird. Usually, there's a lot of times I talk to you more than I talk to my wife. Not by choice. It's just the way it happens. But the uh,
2: yeah, good, good, good. Cover up. Good for you. We had to backtrack months.
1: <laughs> um. Well, let's see. We've had an eventful week, and let's just go back to last Wednesday, Paul. And my big news was I got that monkey off my back. So if you off the back, if you didn't see the post on the socials the uh i was finally able to connect with a buck and everything worked out well i've had my ups and downs we've talked about that trying to get past all that it's not like i said a lot of it i'm not proud of um but it's reality and this one was meant to be so it all played out really well um he's a good deer too he was a solid deer you know it's like a yeah should have been a six point he was a he was a fighter though he had uh one broken tine off and a nice scar on the top of his skull but like uh good deer and i'm 100 percent 100 percent happy with it uh it all yeah just played out really well and so got that that done that that monkey is is done man we are So we, we, we didn't
2: talk about this when I came over to your house, you said, the only thing that you told me, you're like, I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about. And then we never did. So you, you shoot this deer, you put a really nice shot on him. You see him run off. You see him kind of wobble. You didn't call me until after you had laid hands on him. So as you're walking up to this deer, like, did you see his butt? Did you see his belly? what did you see first?
1: So the reason I didn't call you and I I was excited, it was 755 in the morning. Um, I already I knew you were up, but uh, that morning was cooler. And it was one of those days like I've had in the past where it doesn't feel like it's going to work because I don't remember. I was sweating when I was getting up there. I know when I was getting into the stand, there was a, a buck underneath me. And I mean we, well before. which you need to, you sent me a picture and we need to put this on Go Wild
2: or Instagram uh if we have to, but it was you climbing the you're like you're in the tree. You can see your bow like halfway up the tree, your trail camera goes off, you can see you in the tree, and you can see this buck in between the trail camera and you. Yep. Hilarious. Absolutely like you can see your backpack or whatever it is, like five feet off the ground dangling. Yeah, so it's pretty good.
1: That first one, you know, that was uh, that was one of those. I'm like, OK, I'm not even in the tree. I'm not even set. Never got deer under me, which is a good sign. A good thing. And, and again, this is late in the season. So like I've talked to you before, I always feel like I see more buck movement in, in the later part of November than the early part. So this was right in line uh, with that. But he walked in Yert. and got him to stop there, put the shot on. He jumped off slowly. I knew the shot was good. I did have another Luminoc or not I guess this one's a Nocturnal, I'll just call it what it is. Uh fail, kind of failure. Uh, the, I I swear I have the worst luck with those. Letters. It was just gone. Yeah. The top was, of it ripped right off. Yeah. So I but I knew where it hit was it should have been good, right? But I've been through this before and I didn't want to get too excited. I didn't want to tell anybody I told my wife, <laughs> I was just like, fingers crossed arrow was covered in blood. Like everything was good, but I've seen this picture before. So before I went after to really look for him, I kind of stuck my head out in the field and I looked, and I, I didn't see him laying there like I wanted to. Uh, but I was like, Nope, we're just going to back out for a second, go in get some coffee. Uh, Regroup and head out. So as I was going, um, I had my single bevel set up on there with the bleeders. What the arrow weight 550-ish pass through, complete pass through, through the upper shoulder area. But there is no blood right off the bat. And that's not uncommon. It's pretty normal, actually, a lot of times. But a lot of times you don't find the deer very far away. They're they're close. So I started walking in the general direction where he went. And I knew he went out into an ag field that was, you know, there's no crops, the beans are out, very clean. And I was just hoping like, where's this lump laying there? And I'm walking down the edge of this fence row. <laughs> Paul, I was like nothing nothing i mean i didn't have any blood there was no blood to track you panicked at that point i was in a weird place mentally to be honest with you because it had happened it's happened before and i just i didn't want to i was trying to keep my emotions in check like both highs lows everything like just we're gonna do this justice, and if I've got to search hell and high water through hell and high water, like that's what's gonna be right. Um, but as I was walking down this fence row, uh, and I kept looking, looking in the in the brush, like is there anything in there? Looking on the ground for blood, nothing, nothing. I don't know. I was probably thirty yards away from where I shot him. I look up, and there is a large lump in the fence row, and it was. A massive massive relief Um I still though even at that point was like he's got to get up and run yes <laughs> right so I was very careful not far after that I did start seeing blood just on the dirt and it picked up it was good blood and all that kind of stuff so I approached it very slowly and it was not until after I got up there did the poke check uh I had to stop and like take it all in for a second just to, you know, this journey has been ongoing for a long time. And for me, picking up, getting my first bow in like 2008 or 2009, I can't remember exactly. And Paul, I haven't had, I had one time I had a decent buck come in, I don't know, four or five years ago that, I screwed up. I didn't know what to do because I, I just hadn't had opportunities like that. So I could probably count on one hand how many bo- or buck opportunities I've had. And a lot of it's because of the, the land that I'd been set up on. It was small, private parcels, limited. And the other thing is not knowing, right? So I, I bet for the first... Whew, 7 or 8 years I didn't really play pay attention to the wind. I did all the scent check or all the scent control stuff that I could do, but I didn't really pay, like that's that's basic now. That's like, like the first thing I think of, but I didn't know. And I didn't there was a lot of just learning along the way. So when you culminate all that almost, you know, 15 years worth of experience and learning and reading and listening to podcasts and watching shows and, and all the stuff and i think hunting's come a long way because it you know back in the day it used to just be you know you watch the shows and the people go out and sit in their stands and like a dog on a leash out comes this big buck but like things are i've learned a lot okay so for me this is another like step up the ladder to you've finally kind of figured this out expert absolutely not but you made a step in the right direction and I had to take that in and it was very, it was a very rewarding moment and I was, it meant a lot, man. It was cool. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, congratulations again, man. I'm, I I was thrilled for you uh, on Wednesday when, when you called me because you called, I didn't answer. I was doing dishes uh, and then you texted and then you sent a trail camp pick and I was like, Oh my God. And I called you and I'm like, Luther.
1: <laughs> the Luther. And he's down. And when you were
2: like, Yeah, yeah, I was I was like, Did you find it? And you're like, Yes. I'm like, I'm on my way. <laughs> and my wife's like, What the hell, man? You were like cooking for Thanksgiving and all this. Stuff. Is that is that one of them right there? Oh, that's no, a shit. shit. I'm scratching. Um, that's a that's a hunting dish move. If I've ever seen one. <laughs> so that's all right. But no, you 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 worked hard for it, man. I am just super happy for you. And uh, I, I know that that our listeners are probably happy. I would, uh, they're, I'm sure they've been rooting for you. Johnny Schwartz emailed me or or messaged me on and uh, on Instagrams like it's your turn now. I'm like, oh come on, man, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And you know, Johnny and I had a nice conversation about pressure and self inflicted pressure that you know we all feel. You can speak to that, yeah, uh, and and you just did. What a weight man. What a weight that, that that was getting off your back. So
1: yeah, it uh, feels good. Happy and it is, it's your turn now. And uh you know, while we're at it, it's amazing. Uh, we're going to, we're going to give a quick shout out to our, our folks at go wild. Um, yeah. Paul, do you want to give the quick rundown of, of what, of go wild is if. Yeah.
2: So we've, I mean, we've talked about them on the show every, every week, man. And you know, they are the free show social, community, focus on all that is good about the hunting, fishing, and outdoor community. And, I mean, a lot of that revolves around knowledge. It, it revolves around people like Mike Larson, Derek Tells, sharing information and experiences that they've learned, you and everything that you've gone through, being honest about that. That's the best part about Go Wild, man. And, and it's just the people that you meet. It's the community that is built around hunters, anglers, gun enthusiasts, outdoor enthusiasts. It's a, it's just a beautiful thing to be a part of, man. And go, w- if we want to dive in real quick, just to and we'll we'll get we'll get in a, a little more in depth, but just the differences between Instagram and Go Wild, Facebook and Go Wild, and just the the arguing and the hate that people have on the on the on the on the apps. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and I'm no Saint Paul, but like the one thing that. I don't know, man, if it's kids, it's getting towards the holiday season. You know, you got to let a lot of that hate go. And I'm not going to lie. I got a little bit of hate off of uh, this buck that I got. And I'm not going to get into that. But like. We have a post that's on Instagram right now. That's I mean, it was when you and I were on the Vance's show. Yeah. In our world, it's gone viral, right? Like it's gotten way more likes and comments and stuff There's there's a couple dudes on there. It sounds like they're about to meet in the parking lot. To fist bite over something I yeah. said about bow hunting, whether it was easy or hard or not. And this in challenges like that's totally not worth it. And the beauty is I put that picture on go wild and damn it. I'm proud of that deer. And there's a lot of people out there that give you an attaboy or congratulations. And that's just nice, right? F- to hell with all this like, is. hate and, and yeah. judgment uh, out there like be happy for people there. You don't know people's stories and I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm I'm on a little bit of a soapbox, but that's part of the Ah, beauty of, of go wild is that this platform that they've built and it's, it's got all kinds of stuff, right? You can shop and they've got great, great selection of different products on there, but the people and the community is what it's all about. And um, so shout out to those guys. We thank you for your, your support of our show uh, and, and everything you're doing for, everybody in the hunting community and i and
2: and we're not we're not bad mouthing instagram to the point we're saying don't use it i mean we use it every freaking day and we're always going to use it those platforms have connected the world on a level that none of us saw but man if you read the comments on those it just gets it just gets nasty and and i and quite frankly i'm tired of it so uh yeah so time to go wild.com android apple download it Sign up, you get free uh free ten dollars on the community or on the on the shop there. So uh thanks to our folks at Midwest Gunworks, Ohio Outdoors Five. Andrew will save you five percent on uh any order. They've got a gun exchange. There are gun parts, like I talked about. If you're a tinker, gunsmith, a gun builder, firearms builder, thousands, thousands of parts you can put in your make, model, drill down, see the exploded views of these parts really neat they got a law enforcement section on there which is pretty cool tons of optics uh so so check them out midwestgunworks.com uh ammunition freaking guns everything yeah and the io outdoors five put that code in save five percent on your order
1: i don't know about you paul but like for me every year uh i go out on a gun season it's like something breaks there's something I see that other people have. That I'm like, that would be really sweet to have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe gun just, envy. Yeah. Maybe it's just like, this isn't the caliber for me, whatever it is. Now's the time to like take notes of all that stuff so that when you're getting ready for gun season, whether or ducks, it could be ducks. It doesn't have to be deer, but like uh, turkeys, anything like that. These guys got you covered. So, uh, yeah. so thank you to tethered nation, Tether nation.com or tethered tethered is their website. Um, these guys are great. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the saddle. We aren't going to discuss it today. I used mine up in Michigan. <clears throat> I think I saw more, more deer or a lot of deer. And I think that elevation uh, and the mobility of it, the ease comfort, everything just helps with that. Um, Actually, I'm hunting out of it tomorrow on my gun hunt tomorrow.
2: I, I didn't bring it today and I regretted it from the moment the sun came up. I'm like, damn, I should have brought that. I should have brought that saddle. I'm bringing it tomorrow. I've got a nice, nice little Bucky looking spot
1: picked out. So, and yeah, um, this is, I had somebody the other day ask me like, Hey, what do I need or what should I have in the saddle setup? If you guys got questions, reach out and I'll give you my two cents on, you know, what you actually need and what will help make your sits better little things I've picked up over the years, but um, definitely big fans of the tethered yeah. systems. So, you know,
2: one, one thing that, that, that is funny. I have answered, I've gotten probably 20 to 25 people have reached out to me that are, are of, uh, how I say? This the plus size specimens like myself that have asked what it's like being a big dude in the saddle and what size to get and how, you know, comfort, uh, a plus man, a plus. So, and and also thanks to first light. I had too many layers of first light on today months. I walked those 4.9 miles and was like, Oh God, I was sweating so bad. My cat, the, the arms on my catalyst jacket were wet <laughs> well,
1: like, wow, it's, it's wicking so paul odd. it's wicking <laughs>
2: yeah and it, it, I'll, I'll tell you what that thing dried really fast i was comfortable i will i will say that but um i freaking love those those sleeves they're like tapered but not like in an annoying way so i it's it's hard to explain but first and check them out they got some cool stuff
1: for all of our sponsors you guys christmas is around the corner or whatever holiday you celebrate, if it's gift-giving time, all of them have gift cards, gift certificates, codes. So maybe that's something that you put on your list uh, no. for this year. So let's see, Paul, where are we at? I lost my list of... News, man. News from around the state. Okay, so this first one, the state is intensifying their efforts to control Bush Honeysuckle and the Tree of Heaven. And you and I had an in- interesting conversation about this going up to... Um, the UP, but this is a, this is a damn challenging uh topic to cover, right? But it's very yeah. important. So if you're not familiar, there are many invasive species and they can be bugs and they can be, you know, mammals. They can be plants. I think plants are one of them. Perhaps we have the most ability to manipulate. They also have this uncanny ability to just adapt and the one here that they're talking about, bush honeysuckle, and there's a couple of different forms, um, but the one is uh, like Lonicera macihi. That's the uh, the botanical name, Paul. For you, uh, settle settle down, nerd. Getting getting a little excited. Look, I actually, <laughs> I've got uh, my, here comes a book, my manual of woody <laughs> landscape plants. So uh, uh,
2: yes, I'm looking for my nature's and properties of soils. A book got to be in right there somewhere. I bet I, I got, got it.
1: it. <laughs> the, uh, the the plant dork in me, but that's Amer honeysuckle. It comes from like the Siberia region. So like when you and I were driving up to Michigan, we passed a lot of shrubs on the side of the road, just brush and stuff. It's still green, man. It's still leaves green, like, like like midsummer green. Yeah. It's like 25 degrees outside and snow on the ground, but that plant has the ability to leaf out early and hold its leaves late leaves late. And what it does, is ends up choking out your understory and some of the things that are really important to wildlife, uh, the spring ephemerals, some of your native trees that need that sunlight to get going. It's just completely choked out by something that can hold its leaves for 10 or 11 months of the year, seemingly. Um, so this is an important topic and I think there's no, if it was an easy topic, we would already figured it out. All right. But when you're talking about these plants, I think they talk about the tree of heaven, it, it produces 300,000 wind dispersed seeds. Yeah. That's a lot of offspring, man. And like autumn olive, try, same thing. Yeah. To try and, and to control that's very difficult. So if you're a landowner and you've got the ability to educate yourself and to pick up on what some of these invasives are, controlling those yourselves will be really important yeah. and will help your property. But, know that the state is also working to do that and there's other plants and how they got here and stuff is a a huge topic but like they're trying to do their best to take some of these out uh and if you can do it at home that'll also help it's not going to be something it's going to be a problem forever i think at this point no but i mean here's the here's the thing about like state your comment the state
2: is also doing things so if you look at like public land in ohio this is all this is municipal this is this is state federal less than five percent of the land in the state of ohio is is public property so that means five percent less than five percent of land can be managed by a government agency or or, you know a government organization 95 percent of this land is privately owned so i mean the responsibility of landowners to manage habitat effectively and wisely that's a big responsibility and i mean quite frankly it's something that i don't think a lot of people really understand and that falls on people like me that work for conservation organizations where and and, and you and i'm where we talk about the things necessary to manage and you know it's just like um like, like take the decline in Turkey population, right? People are like, well, what are the state, what, what's the state doing? What's the state doing? And the state's like, well, we have power to control 5% of the habitats in the state, 5%. We can, we can manipulate or improve. The rest of it is on private landowners. And I will say there's a ton of resources available, financial resources available to landowners. Dude, if you're a landowner and you have questions about maintaining habitat, freaking call me, man. I can get you in contact with the people with National Audubon Federation to get you on the way. So that's what we're here for. That's the cool thing. There's so many freaking programs, the USDA or the um, oh gosh, man, I'm blanking the 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 Forest Service. I don't know. I've done a couple of events with them. I can't even. I can't. Nick, the guy, he listens to our show. He's gonna be mad. But um, there's there's just there's a ton of money. There's a ton of resources available to private landowners. So take it serious. If you if you need guidance I, I can be your first stop I will point you in the right direction so
1: and it's always funny to me I, I can fit, picture exactly where it is in Upper Arlington one of the, the the largest honeysuckle trees I've ever seen as this big beautiful landscape specimen and it's just that they had these people have and you know they don't probably give two shits about hunting or the outdoors they care about the golf course behind them whatever um But that is a huge problem and that single plant that disperses hundreds of thousands of seeds. It's like, ah, but again, it's a big deal. And it's one of those things. It's not it's
2: not a sexy topic. And so people are like, meh, bush, honeysuckle, autumn, olive tree of heaven. Meh. Right. But I mean, they they do. They do impact. I mean, you know, you meh that for three, four generations, you really have an issue. And that's kind of what we're, we're approaching right now. So no.
1: All right, so everybody's favorite topic, CWD testing. Uh, we're going to give you a quick update here on where this is at. This is from ODNR. So they've confirmed that of 637 deer that have been tested this fall, and that's through hunting and through roadkill in the DSA, so Harden, Marion, Wyandotte counties, they've had three deer test positive. Uh, they The three that were tested positive were both Via hunter, okay. So they were harvested uh, during the the October eighth to tenth gun season. Uh, that brings the total to about four, or not about. It is fourteen positive cases in the DSA since 2020 when they started testing. Uh, just a reminder: uh, if you're in the DSA at this week hunting, you're required to submit your deer for harvest or for testing during gun week. And then you can also voluntarily test it uh, through February fifth, at the end of the archery season. Testing locations are available at ohio.dnr.gov. I it's one of the slashes. We'll call it the forward slash. It's
2: the forward slash, bro. CWD forward slash CWD. It's
1: always forward slash. Dyslexic, Paul. (laughs) Depends what your it's it's perspective, right? It's forward if you're looking that way, but if you draw it What do you mean way, perspective if you're looking in the
2: mirror and it's backwards? <laughs> forward slash CWD. Oh, uh, shoot. That's it. Yeah. What else? What else? We got? Oh, the02podcast.com, Andrew. We have some merchandise available for sale. We've got uh, we got a couple people buying some stuff. Thank you for that. If you bought uh, one of the guys bought a hat and a, and, a, and a hoodie and some other stuff, we got some funny T-shirt designs that we're working on. But, yeah, you can check that out. Uh, there's some cool stuff. Um, what else we got? Follow us on the 2podcast podcast on Instagram. Follow us on Go Wild O two 2 Podcasts. Follow me if you feel if you feel ness if you feel it's necessary. Paul Campbell three two two and leave us a review. We haven't had a review in uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm getting lonely. Uh, Andrew. Yeah, love, and Paul, to, let's love just, to
1: see a review. Let's go ahead and cover this right now. Um, yeah, you know last week's uh podcast was very Buckeye oriented. It did not pan out well for the Buckeyes. And as much as I despise that state up north, I have to tip my hat because that team outplayed us and i uh, coached us. So uh,
2: I was there at the game. I blacked out the last six minutes. I'm like, you
1: know what? No, I'm not even going to. You didn't miss, miss anything, but uh, no. congratulations to them. And uh, we'll do it again next year. How about that? So with a, with a different twist at the end. How about that? hopefully what if we just back into the playoffs and got to play him again
2: yeah. oh god i don't want to play those guys again i don't know if I'll play anybody <laughs> ass <anymore>. so <laughs> i can't take two ass weapons in one year <laughs> so, so
1: uh let's see this week's show we're gonna take you guys a little bit we we recorded this one a few weeks ago but we've a got a few weeks
2: this is like in august
1: yeah it's been a bit so oh. we sat down with the guys from serious archery so connor and seth and they've got a really cool thing going over there not just the arrows that we are fans of and have had uh very good success with very strong um
2: strong like bull
1: strong like bull man um i had one they got their carbon they
2: got their sorry serious tv on carbon tv
1: yeah Dot they, com. they're doing all kinds of stuff they got a podcast going too mm-hmm.
2: but they podcast is strong
1: they had just gotten back from a trip over in africa uh so take your whitetail hat off and put on your exotic animal hat. But uh, we
2: did talk. We talk a lot of whitetail too. We do we talk whitetail. We talk some Turkey, a lot of Africa. It was just cool, man. It was yeah. a cool talk. Just, just fun to listen to. So. Preseason.
1: Great guys. Absolutely. Salt of the earth guys. And um, really, really cool to to hear about the adventures. I think Seth has shot just about every animal under the sun uh, with a bow and arrow. So it's, it's very cool experiences that they have yeah. uh, to share. So, I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, we're coming up here. What are we going to be next week? We'll be into December and getting closer to.
2: The I've holidays. got December tenth. I've got so what is that? Not this upcoming Saturday, the following Saturday. I've got a another controlled hunt that I'm doing at Killbuck Marsh. That'll be fun.
1: There you go. We gotta get you. You. Got, you got, it's your turn, buddy. Wait, it's your, ah, it's your turn. I'm not. I'm trying not to put pressure
2: on myself. I put enough pressure on myself in turkey season. I'm freaking miserable, dude. If I don't see a turkey die, miserable, miserable, just grouchy, just angry, hate the world. I, you know, I start hearing turkeys gobbling in my sleep. Start, Neighbor's dog barks. I'm like, Turkey, start, you know, start picking
1: and, fights on Instagram. I know it.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I cannot. I cannot put that kind of pressure on myself for deer season.
1: I have to not give a shit
2: about something. And unfortunately, deer hunting is is that because if I, I, I would lose my mind if I had. 10 months of mediocre hunting.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I'll just
2: take 30 days of spring hunting. Yeah,
1: we'll so, get out there and enjoy it, man. And uh yeah,
2: man. I, 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 have, been, I have been I haven't I've been having a lot of fun. This hunt that I'm on now is freaking wild, man. This place is cool, a lot of good deer. Uh I think I told you today I saw like the biggest deer I've seen like come like I've seen some big deer. I mean, we we got to see moose, Dustin Huff's deer, up close and personal. Big deer, but like as far as like deer that I've seen someone kill, uh man, I saw a freaking toad come off this place today. So screw that guy. Yeah, Vermonters. (laughs) You Vermonters are listening to this podcast trying to find out where all the big bucks are. Well they're in Vermont. (laughs) Funny. So I'm just kidding.
1: Good people. Good people. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you. Hope you'll enjoy this week and uh we look forward to talking to you next week. See ya. Take care. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Tonight, we have, uh, well, one returning guest and one uh, new guest from our friends down at Serious Archery. Gentlemen, we've got uh, Seth Poston and Connor Akers. How are you guys doing today?
3: Great, great. How are you doing?
1: It's, uh, it's what is it, tonight is deer archery season, Eve Eve, so we're getting close, right? It's like the cr- kid waiting for Christmas and, and you're almost there. We're well, we've that.
3: been in for several weeks in kentucky here so
1: i've seen i've seen guys down there hunting and uh, posting some stuff here and there but Have you been out set down uh down in kentucky
3: yeah right <laughs> i do the answer <laughs> to that yeah yeah with business as, as brisk as it is uh if people saw me out hunting they'd uh There'd be mutiny and canceled orders everywhere. So no, we're we're in the throes of just making sure everybody's got their stuff before season.
2: Good, good deal, Connor. What about you? You you ventured down to the mothership there in Kentucky to uh, I, you do see? A hunt I still haven't got
0: working. I still haven't got the invite to come hunt Kentucky with Seth and Tyler, but I'm getting uh-huh. ready here in West Virginia. Um, we start on go. Saturday, just like Ohio, and I'm gonna go out and smoke a doe on the first day, hopefully. There you go, man. High, high, uh, high
1: lofty goals for day one. So
0: that's the plan. At least I hope I see a
1: deer on day one. That's always my goal. So got to see it first before you can kill it. Right. That's true. Well guys, um, to our listeners out there, if you, if you remember back, I think it's episode one ninety four. We had, uh, Seth and Tyler from Sirius that we talked all kinds about arrows, um, the building process, everything that goes along with that. So, um, if you want to know anything more about the archery and the arrow side of things, we're not going to cover that tonight as much, but uh, more on what's going on in their world. They've had some pretty cool hunts, um, but you can check back to episode 194 for the archery stuff or the, the arrow building stuff. So guys, you you kind of just got back recently from a little trip and I want to hear all about it. And I, I've watched some of the episodes on your serious TV stuff,
0: but tell us about where you've been. Seth, why don't you go since you killed so much more? I'll let you I'll <laughs> let you go first. Talk about all your well, hunts first.
3: Well, yeah, we we went to uh South Africa, which um if anybody hasn't been there, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of you listeners that may may not have ventured there yet, but uh, if you haven't been there, oh my gosh, it's a it's a bow hunter's paradise. It's um it has everything a bow hunter can want you've got you can spot and stalk you can blind hunt um yeah it's, it's it's pretty magical as far as uh just different numbers of species you can go after dangerous game you can go after planes game it's, it's great um we uh were there in late july this year was a little bit tougher than previous years um only from the standpoint that they typically don't have a cloud in the sky at least in the like the Taba Zimbi area where we were, they don't have a cloud in the sky from the first part of April until the middle end of September, and then it'll start to rain, and then it clears out, and they don't have they don't even have clouds for most of the time. It rained on us three times while we were there. Everything was as green uh, as Kentucky grass, and um, so it was a little tougher because you know they they don't have that need for water a lot of those the smaller animals they get a lot of their water just from their vegetation so do you typically the bow hunters like to go in um july late june july and uh early august because everything is dry and so they're they're forced more to water supply and, and you can uh you can put your blinds up over water they also do are a little more food dependent if it's really dry this year it wasn't like that um so the the honey was actually a little bit tougher i I went up staying uh an additional week past uh Connor and Wyatt who uh Wyatt Atkins went with us this year and uh, I went up staying the, the week just because uh, we were we were short on on footage just because the honey was a little harder but this is uh we went with the African allure which, um, is, uh, Ryan Clark is the, uh, professional guide there and the owner. Oh man. Awesome. Awesome place. But, um, when, uh, when we got there, he's, he told us, he said, this is going to be a little bit more difficult just because everything's so green and he wasn't kidding. But he said in 46 years of, of being there, he said the greenest it's in the, the wettest they've ever been. So it's just kind of an anomaly because last year it was so dry everywhere you stepped it sounded like you were stepping on Rice Krispies, and um, but it was a good trip. It's a good trip. It's a a trip that I hope a lot of bow hunters will be able to make in their life because they they really think it's it's unaffordable or it's scary or man it just couldn't be any further from the truth a a pack in elk hunt in uh, with an outfitter in – Uh, Arizona or New Mexico is going to cost you a lot more than being able to go over for a week and hunt five or six animals in Africa. So it was a good time.
0: Connor, was it your first trip to Africa? So this was my second trip. Me and Seth went uh, last year as well. Um, Killed a lot more stuff the year before, but I just kind of went over there this year with one animal in mind that I really wanted to get. And after three days, I made it happen. What was that animal? I know. I watched serious TV. That I was you're talking about. That was a beautiful kudu. So Yes, it was. I had talked to Ryan before he we went. I was like, man, I don't want to leave there without a kudu. That's the one animal I want to go after. So he said, okay, we, we can make it happen. I um I hunted the first evening we got there. I didn't see anything. Uh, the second day, I did an all-day sit at about 9.30 in the morning. Um, the whole herd of kudu came in. I didn't see the bull, but there was a sable in there as well and he kind of pushed them all off so that's probably why i didn't see it later that day they all came in i um i probably had an opportunity at the target bull i was after but it was one of those things he was on his way in and i just wanted to get in and get settled before i tried to make a shot and he got settled but he went to the other side to where i couldn't get a shot and you know all that stuff but the next day i went in i was gonna try and do another all-day sit and by about nine o'clock i center punched his heart and he taped out at Seth was it 49 and a half. Is that what it was?
3: 49 and
0: a half. Yeah, it was big. It was, he was 49 and a half on both horns too. So I mean, he was perfectly symmetrical, just a beautiful bull. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big animal for sure.
1: For, for our, um, and when I say our, I mean me, uh, ignorant pea brain, Ohio, buck hunters. Uh, what is a kudu? Can you kind of explain that or how do you spell it so we can Google it?
0: Yeah. Kudu It's. <laughs> k u d u it's one of the spiral horn antelope um I would kind of said would you compare it to elk body size wise That's kind of I. not
3: yours well mine was bigger yours is about, than elk. good night yeah that the the body on that one is the biggest that ryan has ever seen wow and, uh, yeah i it mean weighed so, out
0: around 900 pounds i believe yeah wow which is huge and the kudu,
2: it has the spiral horn. So you're measuring yeah, so from on, tip to tip yeah, base.
0: From, so base to tip, you go around yeah. in the spiral. And that's the 49.5 is the measurement of one horn. So you measure. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's wild. What other kind of animals are you chasing over there?
0: Oh, man. They have everything. I mean, Seth, I'm trying to count how many different species we've killed in the past two years. There's so many.
3: Uh, okay. So yeah. There's so many. In the two What's... years that
0: I've been there, I've killed a blue wildebeest, um, impala, nyala, warthog, kudu, springbuck. I think that's all I've killed. Seth, you've killed several more. Um, well, I mean, there's just we, every time you go, you're going to see something different. Every time you sit in a blind, you're going to see something.
3: And and the neat thing is, like some of the animals are almost like color phase bearers. So, um, for example, in the on the, the wildebeest you have uh blue wildebeest the black wildebeest is a cytes animal it's not something most guys would go there to hunt that's that that's not something that would be typically hunted over there but you've got then you would have the the golden wildebeest which is uh, a really really cool golden color um and then you have the king's wildebeest which is another color variant of that so it's it's a lot like killing a blonde bear or a cinnamon bear chocolate bear or black bear they're all black bears um, you have the same thing when you get into your um, a, um, impala Impala yeah you have the common red you have a black Impala you have a saddleback impala um, white, um, twank. white white flank was the other one yeah so there's just a lot of other cool color variations of them as well. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I was really hoping to get this year was a uh, buck. four trips to Africa. I've wanted that from the beginning and still it has, it still hasn't happened. So I guess there's always a uh, trip number five, I suppose. <laughs>
2: just keeps you, keeps you coming back. So when you're right. in those, when you're in those giant blinds and what are they like pit blinds? Or are they, are they just mounds? Are you hunting over food sources, water sources? What's the, what's bringing them in there all the time?
3: It's mostly water. Um, in the, in the, the blinds vary this year. Um, at the African allure on their concession, because they've got a lot of different concessions you can hunt. Uh, it depends on really what you're, what you're after. Just because like here in, uh, America, we don't have mule deer everywhere. We don't have, you know, whitetail all the way out on the West coast. So depending on what you're going for, you may have to move concessions and a concession over there, you know, I'd say a a typical concession, you know, we're talking 15 to 20,000 acres. Um, And it it would be managed uh, much similar to how they do it in Texas. They manage their herds. Um, If they have a, particularly big let's say sable um that may become a breeder sable he may be off limits um or if you really want him you're gonna it's it, get your pocketbook out yeah yeah so uh but no typically over water um the uh the blinds that um on the african lures concession there are um they have a couple of different kinds, but the main ones they have are, uh, you're, you're about waist deep when you say Connor, yeah. when you, you walk in and you go down in and you're about waist deep because you're shooting, um, just above ground level. Um, when, when you take your shot, you, sometimes you're actually shooting up at the animal just slightly. My
0: kudu was at an upward angle just cause it's such a tall animal. was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then
3: there's a there's some big concrete blinds there too where they're again they're sunken but you are a little bit elevated. They're all crazy comfortable. They two guys just so it's easy for a you know, if you've got a camera guy there, one can sit, the other one can shoot. It's pretty easy. Yeah.
1: Real quick, what's a sable? Oh months. Google that.
2: <laughs> just
3: kidding. It's another antelope. Yeah. It's not a spiral horn. Okay. Um Yeah.
0: A sable is pretty much all black. Kind of looks like a horse with really long, sweeping horns that go straight back. they are. They're pretty. pretty 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 pretty. They're a majestic looking animal.
3: They are. A a good one, uh, you know, a good sable is 46, 47 inches. An exceptional one that you're going to, you know, you pay through the nose for would be 52, 53. Um but they are a really cool animal,
1: okay now I feel like an expert in Africa, so there you go <laughs> the five animals <laughs>
2: uh so like i'm i'm 'm always intrigued to watch you know videos about uh you know like the the african hunts and so are like do they just do you just hop in in trucks and you're or jeeps and you 're driving these twenty thousand acre concessions and you 're just spotting game or you just I mean, is that, is that like the spot and stock and you're just moving in on them? I, I, I saw that where like some guy was like just like 50 mile an hour blowing animals out and then they start stalking them. Did you guys do any of that? Like the spot stock or are you just in blinds most of the time?
3: Go ahead, Connor.
0: So oh. we, I mean, we do a little bit of everything. Um, it kind of just depends on what you're after. Like if they've got the animal coming into a blonde, obviously you're going to do that. But I had another hunt where I was hunting for a spring bug and I hunted that thing out of a saddle. In one of the most uncomfortable trees I've ever been in my life for two or three days. And I just couldn't make it happen. So it was the last day before we had to head to the airport. We had to leave at like noon. So we got up that morning. I got 308 out and I stood in the back of the truck and we drove around. I busted him from the back of the truck. of so, Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. There you go. But yeah, there are times that like you'll be out driving around and you see an animal off in the distance and you just kind of just keep on driving like you're not paying any attention to it. And then you get out and you hike back to it downwind try and make a stalk. that's pretty
2: cool i want to do that i'm going to go i'm going to go to africa i want to i want to roll through with the 308 from the back yeah. of a jeep shooting it makes, <laughs> shooting it, it, makes it interesting
3: so, i mean there yeah. are um there are places where um where you can gun hunt just like that and they yeah. call that i think, safari style um, you're gonna have a nice high-rack um, Land Cruiser or um, Toyota, mostly, and they've got nice, comfortable chairs back there. And you're sitting, and it's beautiful outside. You know the weather over there uh, during that time. It's their winter, so most of our days were in you know 72, 73 degrees during the day, and high to mid 40s at night. So really, really nice weather, and uh, you can you can roll around and you can. You can blast stuff until your wallet falls apart. That um, um,
0: that hunting style is very similar to rifle season in West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I can ima- I can imagine <laughs> same concept. Uh,
2: and funny. you were from West Virginia, so you can, yeah, you can level level those accusations. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when you're shooting an animal that's 900 pounds and or whatever, what kind of arrow setups are we are we looking at with those? Because I just you know got to figure those things out
0: yep so on that hunt i was using our Sirius orion with um the 150 single bevel with bleeders the total arrow weight was right around 600 grains and i put it right on his right on his shoulder and i buried it up to the fledgings he didn't go 50 yards didn't go 20 hit him with the rut daniels that's right
2: there you go it's bear hunting you guys did some of that earlier in the year too what was that uh was it new brunswick where do you guys yeah that?
3: um So it was was in new Brunswick. We went to Long Lake Adventures, man. That that place is beyond gorgeous. Um, And uh, Tyler took a nice bear while we were there. We had a couple other people that wanted to go with us. And they all shot bears. The only guy that didn't shoot a bear was me. But, uh, yeah. But I ran camera for for Tyler on that one. And, uh, man, I'm, you know was pretty stoked for him he got a nice pair and um just again really nice. we had really nice weather while we were there it was cold so we left um kentucky and it was kind of when did we go up there i guess it was uh late so, may
0: late early june, june late may early june because i couldn't go because my brother was graduating high school so yeah it was probably late may
3: when it late was. may yeah and i remember we left uh kentucky the cincinnati airport's in kentucky about 10 minutes from our facility and um it was 94 degrees and we got up there and it was uh we got into maine and when we got there it was 37 and raining and we went out fishing the very first day and we had sleet and snow so it it was yeah it was it was was good but uh talk
2: about shock to the system
3: yeah, we all got up there. Fortunately, nobody had looked at the weather forecast except for me, apparently. I said, guys, do you guys bring in lots of warm clothes? Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's going to snow.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> it's going to cost you. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was that was good. Um, but we did, do, we did do a Cape Buffalo cow hunt. We got in we got invited to do, um, two, uh, management hunts while we were there. And, uh, I don't think Connor's got the film ready for the giraffe yet. Um, but, and we've debated on that, right? Because, um, anytime something's in a nursery rhyme, um, we, it's, it starts becoming off limits. And, um, the problem is that because the the West tells um, the other governments in Africa what to do with their animals and how to, to do them through that through the CITES program, um, we have um, we have a lot of people that that are very averse to honey drift, and so we debated whether to do it or not, and um, but it's important because. What they don't understand is there are so many giraffes in Africa. Hmm. There are a few subspecies that, uh, from what I understand, are not even hunted um, that are endangered. But the common giraffe is overpopulated. So the concession that we were on, it, um, you could see they had eaten all the way down the browse line on the trees was really interesting because the trees were eaten from their head height all the way down to where they, they can no longer eat. They, they can bend over and drink, but they can't bend over and eat. And, um, the concession would hold a maximum of eight. They preferred six, eight giraffe with the amount of vegetation they have. And there were 20 on the concession. In fact, they would have given any other, concession owners, giraffes, if they wanted to transport them. But the problem exists on almost every concession. There's too many giraffes. They just, uh, they don't have a natural predator anymore because the only thing that was a, a predator to a giraffe was uh, a large male lion. And there are no free roaming lions in South Africa anymore. So um, they, they ask us um, to take a female off of the property and that is a, a real test for an arrow. So, um, we hunted and, uh, we were able to harvest uh, a nice female, uh, exactly what they asked us to take off. And cause all these concessions have management plans. So they, they only have a carrying capacity of X number of each type of animal. And so in their management plan, they were going to have to reduce the size and, um, it was a good hunt. That uh, that arrow setup was uh, an Apollo, um, one hundred and fifty arrow, and uh, that was tipped with a the tough head, uh, four hundred grain dangerous game head. Um, it had three hundred um, grains of ethics insert behind it, and I think the total arrow weight on that was, I think a thousand and fifty five grains. Wow. And I was shooting that out of a uh, 85-pound PSE levitate bow that uh, came out of their custom shop. So, um, and went right in. You listen, always listen to your guide. There's a great book you can buy before you go over called The Perfect Shot. And it's perfect for rifle hunters. But it does have a few adaptations for, for bow hunters. And one of them is on the giraffe and, you know, Ryan is a professional guide and a professional hunter. And he said, you need to go another two hands back from that spot and you'll punch it right through the heart. Mm. And we, uh, we punched it right through the heart and it didn't go more than 120
2: or 130 yards. That's impressive. So you, you made a comment. I want to just, follow up on that. You said something about the U.S. government's involvement with is it the management plans in Africa? Is, well, it, is it pressure when, on on hunters or organizations?
3: There's a lot of pressure from a lot of organizations but the, the CITES for, for example, giraffes are a CITES animal. So that means you have to pull a permit. You have to there's a lot of stuff you have to do in order to be able to export the animal and import the animal. Not that you can't do it. But there are certain animals that it doesn't make any sense. They have an overabundance of them. So that, that puts in the mindset to the hunter over here that they must be endangered, you know, and then they become taboo to hunt. So there's, a, there's just certain things that in certain countries, uh, there's certain animals in that societies. even here in the U.S., take the polar bear. Um, polar bears one that you can't import you can go hunt it but you can't bring it back in the united states some of those uh, more draconian laws are what um, prevent people from hunting because they think that something's endangered
2: that's uh that's interesting it's almost more of like a hang up on the hunter side you know i've i've, I've never thought of it like that i, I always thought it was you know some some crazy regulation that you know that and and God forbid you t- you shoot a lion or a giraffe and you put it online, uh, you're gonna get hammered in this country, right? I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I wasn't. A, it wasn't even. It was just a, a non-hunting. It was a business podcast, and this guy was talking about Cecil the lion. Everyone remembers that. And he was just talking about how outrageous it was, and how you know, I'm like, shut up, man. <laughs> I mean, it's just. And I think for me, I've just really started to to look into the the benefits of of hunting in africa and what you know hunting is conservation i mean at a level i don't think we really understand in this country unless unless you go over there and experience it. so Seth, that's it's, um,
1: it's funny you brought up the polar bears not funny but um i'll never forget one of the first times i was in um my firearm store or whatever and i just remember the guy behind the counter well it's not illegal to shoot the polar bears you just can't bring them back in the united states and i'm sitting there thinking like Oh, Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? But now that, uh, you know, to hear that come from you, it's, uh, obviously it's a factual statement. And, uh, at that point I was a little bit like where, what's going on here. So,
3: well, I do know that, um, and Ryan can tell you the story best, but they have, they have their own animal rights groups in um, in South Africa as well. And they were doing a story of, they were culling giraffe from um, a property and um, actually selling the hunts off. And um, they were being protested by an animal rights group. And the um, owner of the concession said, if you will pay to move them, move them wherever you want, you can have them and we won't hunt them. You know how much money was raised?
2: zero say
3: zero dollars yeah zero um you know that's that's the the reality of it is hunters put more conservation money into the african continent than any animal rights group ever will
1: and those guys that run the concession i mean they want a certain level of them and they want them to be healthy and everything it's not like they're just trying to get rid of them right because they need guys like us to go over and want to come back and hunt. Right. Of course.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And if it pays, it stays, you know, that's in, in, I, I know that you don't quote me on the, the exact figure, but it's around 80, 85% of, um, Kenyan animals or I believe it's Kenya. They outlawed hunting in the seventies. And wow. when there's competition for um, cattle, which they could sell, when you can't sell hunts, they're not going to keep the land barren. It's going to make money somehow. So those animals cease to cease to exist. So if, if all of a sudden nobody wants to ever hunt a giraffe again, that's fine. The giraffe, as they die off or they're killed off, um, by humans, they're gonna they're gonna be replaced by something that makes money. So if it pays, it stays.
2: Did you did you experience any like kind of harassment down there? I've, I was interesting. You said that there were people protesting. I mean, was that was that prevalent? I mean, if, <laughs> we hear about no, it in this, this country all the time. If we started shooting nursery animals over here, man. People would be lining up in the streets and the WMAs, I think
0: so.
3: Oh, I think, no, I think they're, everyone's they're, happy to see the
0: hunters over yeah. there because it just, it's such a boost for their economy, you know? Yeah. yeah,
3: absolutely.
2: Yeah. I talked to a landowner just recently in Africa in South Africa and and, and he employs 40 people permanent, yeah. like full-time, full-time people down there. So, I mean, it's, uh, man, it's such, it's such a, I, th- I think, I think the more people hear about it and they, and they learn and they're, and they're, they're willing to listen, uh, you know, about the things that happen over there. I think, I think people, you know, I think they understand. You know, it's, it's a very, um, it's very, and, and it's an emotional topic for, for way too many people. So put that, put that giraffe video up, Connor. We got your back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's going up soon. It'll be there, there. You go. Yeah.
2: There you go. So,
1: well, what do you guys got planned uh, this fall uh, over here in the States? Anything fun? I, hey, Connor, we talked a little bit. I don't, um, you guys start this weekend down your way.
0: Yeah, so we start on Saturday, just like Ohio. Um, as far as planned hunts, we really, Seth, I don't think we have anything planned for the fall, do we?
3: No, nothing but, planned right now. We we we've got a lot of deer hunting going on. I'm yeah. going to hunt with Paul, I think. Um, yeah, so
0: we're just going to hunt kind of around home. I mean, I know all year long you all seen we've been all over the country hunting random yeah, animals, yeah. but. I think we're going to try and stay around home for the fall and hunt a bunch of stuff, but um, I do have another hunt plan. Um, I'm hunting all week in West Virginia for whitetail, and then October 1st, I leave for Maryland, and I'm going to be on a, I think it's eight or nine days, I'll be doing public land, uh, seek a deer. Oh, oh man, cool. I was, I was,
2: say, oh, I hope he says seek a deer. Yep. I saw those on, uh, Tether did an episode mm-hmm. with, with those guys down there on the seek a deer, and I have been I want to. I want to put my hands on one of those. Those things look freaking cool, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I I really don't know what I'm getting into. Um, Yeah. Really, it was a a bunch of guys that I just kind of know through Facebook. They said, "Hey, we go every year. You want to tag along with us?" I said,
2: "Yes, of course, absolutely." I downloaded yep. the Maryland and Virginia like on X maps. The moment I saw that, I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's some public land, marshy. If you haven't seen a seeka deer, it's like a it's like a miniature elk, I guess. Exactly or, what it is. is, and it bugles. And I use that term bugle loosely. I don't know what how to else to explain it. But. So
1: well, there's this place that we go to eat after we get done hunting, and it's like, uh,
2: yeah. What is it? What's it called, Paul? It's it's an Amish. It's an Amish all you can eat, and then they're like right next <laughs> right next there's door like a to petting it zoo, is, and they've got yeah. Them. Paul They've
1: gets got their... so excited, like he's gonna yeah. go over and pet him every time yeah. we're in there, sitting there. You can see him out the window, and he just sits there staring at him, wanting to go pet the. the
2: I'm always there. like hatching a plan about how to break in there and steal their sheds in the spring or like the winter, but <laughs> I can't figure it out. So, but they're awesome. they are all these little seeka deer running around. We were there during the rut one year, and they were bashing into each other, and yep. oh, it was awesome. I love those little critters. So that'll be cool, man. What? Yes. Uh, so you?
0: So are you like coastal Maryland? Yes, it'll be coastal. Okay. Um, I'm sleeping in a tent for nine days. Haven't figured out the whole shower thing yet. Um, you don't just need that. gonna kind of wing that one. <laughs> but yeah, staying at a campground. Just you're the- gonna you're gonna ground hunt
2: those. You're gonna climb a tree. What's what's Saddle. your plan? Saddle?
0: Saddle there you go. Saddle, okay, yeah. that's that's the plan for now. I think I'm gonna pack a blonde with me, and then just in case I need it, just I'll I'll yeah I'll pack way too much stuff, of course.
2: You know, it was it was funny, man. I was I I think the first time I saw secret deer was on that meat-eater episode. Then I was reading yeah. an article about them that they are invasive you know, someone brought them over from what was Japan in the forties, maybe. Right. And then, and then the, the natural resources departments in Maryland and Virginia tried to exterminate these deer because, you know, they're an invasive species. And then someone realized that they're not competing with the white tails or really any other native species. So they're just like, okay. And to your point, Seth, if it makes money, mm-hmm. it stays. And that's kind of where, kind of where I feel like where those little, little guys have fallen. So good for them damn cool oh, i'm so glad cool. they
3: didn't wipe them
2: out man yeah. i every once in a while i'm like all right how do we trap a sika deer and an elk and start bringing stuff
1: back to ohio right how do we
0: <laughs> oh paul. i'm kidding
1: if anyone from the DNR is listening to that i'm kidding I'm not oh gonna do paul that. so uh connor you're down in west virginia what kind of seasons do you guys have so you're going to start the same day we do with archery do you guys what kinda, you, obviously i'm sure you can use rifles down there we don't really have that luxury but
0: yeah so Archery starts, um, was it September 24th and then it will go to December 31st. That's your archery season. Um, I'm not a big rifle hunter cause I grew up in Logan County, which was one of the only counties. So as a kid, I never had the opportunity to rifle hunt. So it's not something I really keep up with. It's like you get two weeks for rifle around Thanksgiving is what it is. And then you've got like a doe rifle and then you got muzzleloader. So, Late November through first week or so of December is when all the gun stuff happens. So you've got a, a really long archery season, then you got a good solid few weeks after a rifle to get back out there with the bow. Yeah, I mean it's almost identical to to the Ohio season. What's the uh, yeah. what
1: are the bag limits like down there? Ah, uh,
0: well, that's a hot topic here in West Virginia right now. Mm-hmm. Press that button, man. <laughs> yep, there's a lot of people trying to get the limit lowered. Um, in total, you can kill three bucks here right now. Wow. Yeah. How many and, and how many dough? That depends. on A the hundred. <laughs> um, are there regulation. antler restrictions? No yeah. antler restrictions. Okay, uh, okay. Well, there's a Cooper's Rock State State Forest is right near my house and there are antler restrictions there. It's 14 inches wide. So basically okay. outside the ears. Come here, dear. Let me uh let me measure. Yeah, that. I hate so is that. It, but they say there's big bucks there. I've yeah. never I've never messed with it because it's some rough country, but.
2: So is it like one deer during archery, one deer during rifle, one deer during no. muzzle, or is it like
0: just season wide you get three? So don't quote me on this because you okay, need a you need a lawyer to understand our regulations the way they're all Fair set enough. up. It's sure. the most confusing thing in the world. It seems like every year I'm calling Gabe one saying, "Hey, is this correct? Is this what I need to do here?" But you can buy extra archery tags so you can take like your rifle tag or whatever and put it towards a a deer in archery.
1: And a lot of it's it's county based. You don't you don't have. Uh... WMUs or
0: no. Um, so there's some counties like that don't have a doe season for instance. And then you've got the four bowl only counties where it's one buck for the whole year. There's no gun season. It's archery only and you get one buck. So if you, it's one buck and one doe in the archery only counties,
1: man, Paul. And I was complaining to you the other day that our uh, deer management permits were confusing that that doesn't sound like it holds a candle to uh, any of West Virginia's oh. lo- rules. It actually, no, it doesn't. It's a lot of reading. And that's not yeah. something i want to do. It's, I think it's
2: awful. That, That's a challenge for me. I started hunting you know, more out-of-state turkey mm. hunts this year. And it's just like, you know, I, luckily I didn't break any regulations, but I overlooked something down in one of the southern states I hunted. And luckily, you know, the, the landowner I was with, he's like, well, did you get this permit? I'm like, what permit? And uh, there was like a $5 you know national forest permit that i didn't get and i bought it in the truck as i'm driving up there and and got it but i mean it's just i think it's you know it's important especially for hunting out of state
0: man to really lock on to those those regulations yeah i've been studying the maryland stuff yeah out there trying to make sure i'm good to go on all that yeah
1: yeah i learned the hard way one time in pennsylvania (laughs) that you need to really know the we're not going to go there. Seth, how is not It was nothing.
2: It was nothing bad. It was nothing bad. No, it happened. An ongoing it joke. Does.
1: Um, yeah. So Seth, I know you're busy down there, uh, making, making arrows. Uh, but are you going to be able to get out there in Kentucky at all?
3: Um, I hope so. Um, it has been a long season for us. And, um, to be honest with you, deer has, not ever been one of my most favorite animals to hunt so um i enjoy it but it's just never um been one of my most favorite animals to hunt so if i have to choose that's uh, you, connor's,
2: you, sh- connor's shaking his head right now that's why you and paul get along so well just, oh man i'm, I'm right, right there with you it. uh i'm not gonna rack off my top five animals seth but uh deer is not on that top five so <laughs> uh,
3: it, it's great when there's when when i have the time to do it but um, i do a lot of r&d during that time
2: so i i, I, li- um, I like I was- where that i like where that's going i like that i do a lot of r&d during deer hunting
3: <laughs> right so you're just like right. Man, i'm
2: gonna see if i can zip this for this deer <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah yeah and and so um it's not that i don't love it 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 and, and I love that it's a passion of the majority of the people who who are our customers. And and I share the outdoor passion with them, just not always on whitetail deer. Um, but it is it is pretty awesome um, to get out that time of year because, you know, the weather in our area is fairly temperate. Um, you know, a lot of those days it's getting in the low 50s and it's crisp in the morning and it's nice and uh you you don't have to wear 27 layers of clothes um we have a long deer season in kentucky so um i think it's a don't quote me on this but i I think it's the first saturday in september until the 15th of january um and one one thing that uh One thing that I've always been dismayed with in Kentucky in particular is that they have the rifle season, but they put it right in the middle of the rut. And I love how Ohio does it in that they have their shotgun season. I don't, I think it comes in around Thanksgiving ish. You guys remember?
2: It's the Monday after Thanksgiving every year.
3: Okay. That's what I thought. And that that's, that's let a lot of the, um, uh, the deer have opportunity to do a lot of breeding and uh, it's, it's winding down at that point. And uh, so I've, I've always wished that, that they would put the rifle season just a couple weeks later. Cause it's, it's almost three full weeks long. And, uh, and that's right in November. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a long season. Uh, I do like the, the late season. Uh, especially if we get snow. Um, that's always a good time. Um But I'll get out somewhere. I, mean, I think I'm gonna go hunt with Paul. Isn't that what we're doing, Paul? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're
2: gonna we're gonna do some we're gonna do some some deer hunting. <laughs> Hopefully some turkey hunting too. That would be oh, really fun. Oh, stop it, Connor. Don't get disgusted with that. You can also hunt turkey during the fall. No one knows that. Connor, you come Andrew. up
1: and we'll go we'll go find yeah. deer. Let them go play with
0: <laughs> That the birds. sounds better, yeah. Okay. <laughs> let them go chase turkey.
2: Oh man, I uh I will work that into every conversation that I have. <laughs> turkey hunting, I'm just throwing that out there. So man, oh, <laughs> i got to do a, a fall turkey hunting podcast last night with uh mitchell shirk from the the, the pa woodsman and uh man it was like two hours long with this fall turkey hunting legend on brett barry from northern ohio it was freaking glorious man i was in my in
0: my element so i got a question about that for you yeah well so i was talking about west virginia regulations i was reading in it the other day it's legal to use dogs for turkey hunting here in the fall yes have you ever heard of that
2: yes oh yeah yeah i'm doing my first dog turkey hunt this year so uh, and our listeners are just like, Oh God, here he goes again. So I will keep it short. I promise. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's really how Turkey hunting started the, the, and you know, in this country, it was, it was in the fall, it was with dogs. That's the, that's the heritage of, of the, the Turkey hunter uh, dogs and in, in fall. And it's just kind of spiraled out into uh and don't get me wrong. I freaking love spring Turkey hunting, but uh, that's where it started. So, mm. so, it's a, and it's really, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the, you know, when you look at like the heritage of, of the modern hunter, man those turkey hunters that's where it it, it started so okay. all Sorry. right i'm off my soapbox no more questions about turkeys got know. it got it <laughs> thank this you this will derail
1: real quick <laughs> <laughs> well guys uh i guess you know we covered a lot here but the um what do you got head, uh, happening down there in the, the serious workshop uh new products come out this year or anything you want to tell us about like talk about yeah
3: so we just launched the gemini Arrow uh, a couple weeks ago and um we had a big initial run on those we're we're going to be out soon so that's been a it's been a big hit it's it's um it's a 204 diameter so it's a small diameter but it's not a micro and it gives you the gpi of a micro though it's a carbon it's a really, really incredible special carbon that we're using. And it's incredibly expensive to purchase. <clears throat> but, you know, the FOC that you're able to get with these arrows is off the chart. So we launched that. Um, we brought out the um, Toughhead 150 Evolution Series. Well, we launched the whole 2.0 series. The, the 200 grain, this year we brought out a 150 and a 125. And more to come. So, that's been um, that's been some of the launches this year. We have prototyping stuff we're doing now. Those are all stuff for 2023. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of exciting stuff going on, and that's some of the stuff that I'm that I do. And all of our team are fanatical deer hunters. Connor, Tyler, everybody in the shop. They're all fanatical deer hunters. So somebody has to stay back to make sure that orders get out because people don't stop ordering in October, November, and oh. December. So but they all want to go hunting. So uh there's a lot of half days, there's a lot of weird hours so guys can get out in the field and yeah. And uh so yeah, there's more to come though. Stay tuned.
2: You know, I I Seth and Connor, I was at a bow shop I just a couple of days ago, my son bought a new, he bought a new bow. And, and of course, you know, the, the guy in there was just running his mouth about, you know, the ranch ferry and high FOC and all this stuff. And I'm just listening to him talk and he's just, he's just, just angry about it. Right. And he makes a comment. I, ha- I had my serious Apollo in my hand, 625 grains of beauty. And, uh, he made the comments. Like, well, I don't want all that weight in the center of the of the arrow. And, and I, I just look at him. I was like, say that again. He's like, I don't want all that weight in the center of the arrow. So I hand him my serious arrow and he holds it and, and he holds it in the middle. And the whole thing just goes, whoop. And he's like, what was that? I'm like, FOC, man. Would, like? <laughs> if it's a high FOC forward of center. He had no idea what he was talking about. And he's like, this is really nice. I'm like, yeah, it is really nice. You should go buy some. It was just, it was just really funny. The look on his face and that thing just fell forward. He's like, "Well, I thought it was in the center of the arrow." I'm like, "No, man, it's in the, it's forward of center." <laughs> like, yeah. and he just, he he just, he didn't know what to say. He just shut up and started putting them. I'm like, "All right, we, I think we might have starting. It's going to be a process, that guy." But it was just so funny, man. Just the look on his face when when that arrow tipped forward so that's awesome yeah it was really it was really funny i, I tried not to laugh i just i had this big shit eating grin on my face like oh i got you man i got you in front of everybody <laughs> so. well
3: you know what's funny is it that, that man such a visceral reaction happens yeah. from people when you mention his name and mm-hmm. or dr Ashby's name yeah. you didn't mention those guys and it just it's just it's just down deep. They're mad. It down is. deep, and it they is. can't figure it out. Like, dude, yeah. we have we have arrows. If you want to shoot the lightest, fastest arrow in the world, we have that for you. Yeah. If you want to shoot one with the highest foc? What Gary calls adult arrows. Yeah. We got that for you. If and and we have really taken off in the dangerous game in that in that. um you know, this past week, I worked on two separate elephant builds for guys. Um, so we've got everything from a guy who wants to shoot one that's darn near dry firing his bow all the way up through shooting elephant. You know. It's <laughs> impressive. Um, and, and if you call in, we're one of the few places. I don't know of any others. There there may be. But I don't know of any other archery company. And this has been something that that we've had to. Uh, wrestle with a little bit internally this year because, you know, we've gotten some bad press on online. People saying, Oh, they're, they're, they're customer service. You know, I've been waiting on a call back for three days. Well, there's two of us and we give, we try to give everybody 15 minutes to go over their setup. Everybody in their first, uh, if this is their first foray into shooting something above 400 grains, there's there's just questions and we try to give everybody 15 minutes we were taking in over 100 calls a day for two guys wow you know that's crushing it is it is and and the problem is if you think about how many guys say "Ooh, my bow shop my local one they stink thank you i wouldn't let them work on anything i drive two hours to my bow shop and such and such because I won't let these guys touch my bow. Well, if it's hard, too hard for them to figure out how guy that can, can, to get a guy that can adequately tie on a D-loop, how hard is it to get another tech that can adequately explain FOC, yeah. help them with their tuning? You wouldn't believe how many uh, pictures of uh, paper tuning stuff that we get from guys every day. I don't know what to do next. And they don't have. I wish they would occasionally go to YouTube a, a few more times and just do a little research on their own. Um, uh, but you know, we we give you fifteen minutes, and and that just you know, there's only so many of those in a day we can do. Yeah, and um, and yeah. It, it it did get overwhelming really fast. We didn't. We had a lot of calls last year, but we didn't have this volume. I mean, the growth has been uh exponential so we'll be on the lookout for somebody that can the other thing is it's it's a little bit easier to help a guy tune his bow when you're standing there with the bow in you know in your hand or he's got it in his hand and you can watch what he's doing try doing that over the phone
2: yeah that's tough with a guy that doesn't know what he's doing to begin with you know that's i mean that's yeah. a that's an
3: impossible task for anybody
2: I mean, you can't you, FaceTime that enough to, to fix that, you know?
3: No, and, and you know, Tyler uh, has, he, you know, some of the diagnosis work that he does over the phone, they there's a guy who'd been to three different bow shops, and they couldn't figure out what the problem was, so he was convinced that the arrow was messed up. When he would go... If he shot his standard diameter arrows, they were great. But as soon as he shot his micro diameter, they were all over the place. So Tyler says, what's that felt look like on your wrist? Is it worn out? Yeah, it's worn out. Change that felt and see what happens. Right? So he's doing this remote, trying, you know, after the guy... A lot of guys go on for more than fifteen minutes. I don't know if you've ever talked to an old hunter before. God bless them. They can talk for hours because they don't have anything else to do. Yeah, and uh, especially in the off season, and uh, you know, it, but but to find a guy or girl with that level of competency that can do this kind of stuff over the phone is hard.
1: And patience. Hard. Yeah. Patience, yeah, lots of patience, and
3: so we we're going to be on the on the hunt for that person, um, for 2023 because we we want to still be that. Uh, we started out as a boutique company, right, and we don't want to lose that boutique feel. That if you're having an issue, that you you can't get a hold of somebody, but this year was a real strain. Was a real strain. Yeah, And that customer service is key to us. And when we fall down on that, um, you know, it, that there's, there's, there's some limited options that one of the options is that you just clamp down and you say, we're only going to take so many customers, you know, um, yeah. I don't think that serves the hunting community. Uh, well, the other one is to try desperately to find the right people that can that can help. So that's yeah. what we're going to be focusing on for next year we do have some new product in the pipeline. Um, but number one is getting our customer service and our technical support shored up to where everybody can get their 15 minutes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I know every time that I've dealt with any of you guys, you've been, been very, notch. very helpful. Yeah.
1: Top notch. So
2: yeah, there's some handholding for me earlier in the year. Tyler did great. So, you yeah, know, awesome. he is, it was one of our, one of my good friends and listens to the show. He, he, he listened to our Ashby talk. I was like, all right, I'm sold. You know, man, he did the research. He watched every ranch fairy video out there. And Troy, he goes through the process and the tuning and everything. And, uh, you know, I think, I think like you said, watch a few more YouTube videos before you suck up 45 minutes of someone's time. So, and,
1: and speaking of YouTube, <laughs> and, videos, you know,
2: it's PSA funny. public service. announcement.
3: One thing about a um, little bit, heavier or higher FOC. One of the things that we and it's just really interesting is you kind of see this progression. A guy gets into it a little bit his first year and he was only shooting five four twenty-five. So he dips his toe in the water and it's five hundred. Well he has good success that year. Next year it's 780. You know, it's like this this gigantic well if a little's good a lot has gotta be better. So then yeah. he's he's shooting this really heavy arrow that's the only time we see guys ever go dial back and wait is when they 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 dial back because they went crazy 750 and now they they want to shoot 600 again but i have yet to have anybody call and tell me you know what i tried the the 500 or 550 thing for deer i'm going back to 425 yeah never never it just i it hasn't happened i'm sure it has happened and maybe they just would wouldn't call me, but it's, it's just interesting that, that I don't know anybody that just said it just wasn't for me.
1: Well, and I think we talked about it in one of our last shows, Paul, but, uh, when, when Giannis shot his bowl and, uh, out there yeah. I think it was in Colorado or whatever, that, the plan B idea, right. And that was one of your arrows and your broadheads. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. it helped him to eventually take that, that bull down yep. completely because it didn't work out, you know, like it does on some of these, these hunting shows, but yeah,
2: you know, with that archery attack just over, you know, a couple of days ago, he kept referencing 10, Tim Tim Gillingham, Gillingham, uh, the shot play and all this stuff. And, and I said, you know what the you know what the difference between me and Tim Gillingham is? And he's like, what? I'm like, well, Tim Gillingham's a world class archer. I'm some schmuck that hunts thirty times a year. That's <laughs> the that's the difference between yeah. and that Giannis Plan B. I think that's that that was the big thing for me because I've been on the end of that where you shoot a monster. And you have equipment failures, and it is heartbreaking. And I was just like, you know what, done, done, I'm done with this. And I quit bow hunting for six years and didn't touch a bow and deer didn't bow archer deer hunt once. It was just because of frustration. And uh, yeah. luckily, Andrew Andrew Munz was like, well, you should just switch to something heavier. I'm like, wait, what? That's now a, you're that's bang. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. So yeah, well, good you for know, you guys. It's like
3: having your is your plan A and your plan B arrow in yeah. the same arrow. Yes, you know?
2: absolutely. Yeah,
3: and I, yeah. I was amazed at that that penetration that Giannis had on that bull. That was unbelievable. That was but that was incredible. That, that broadhead that he was shooting. You know, I know how he how he sharpens his broadheads, and that thing was. I mean, uh, you know, it was a surgeon's scalpel when he was done. So yeah, yeah it's impressive.
1: Very cool. Well, we were talking about YouTube videos, Connor. Tell us about your your
0: endeavors. Okay. Yeah. So I do all the filming, all the producing for Sirius TV. Um, If you haven't watched that, go check it out. We are on YouTube. And we haven't really announced this yet. I don't know when this is going to air. But within the next week or two, we are also going to be on Carbon TV. Hmm. Nice. Good deal. Yep. So all of our previous episodes will now be available on Carbon TV. Okay. Stuff moving forward will also be on there. And we recently just launched a podcast, Serious Talk. Uh, we are on Apple, Spotify, what else are we on? Um, Amazon Music, all, all the major platforms. And that will be on Carbon, t- Carbon as well because they have podcasts. So we just started it, just released it on Monday. Uh, we had five episodes out. We got a few more in the pipeline. And we're going to try and try and do probably a weekly episode cool. as of now and see how it goes. Good deal.
2: That's exciting. Yeah.
0: Congratulations on
2: on that. So, hopefully, there are more iguana hunts in the pipeline. That was really neat.
0: That was fun. That was a yeah. lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, though, the the guy that we went with, he moved away. He's not doing it anymore. So, oh really? Yeah. That looked like
2: just way. I mean, like just little kids out there. Just blah, blah, blah. I mean, it uh, looked like a freaking blast. Especially man. when
0: the cop uh, showed, <laughs> yeah. showed up. Yeah. Yeah, Karen didn't That's- like us, but- <laughs>
3: Next, next to Africa, that that has been one of the, if not the most fun, hunt that we we did this year. Yeah, by far. I bet. I bet, man,
2: it looked like a blast.
3: Yeah. No, it didn't hurt that we were in Miami and it was mid seventies, and home it was you know twenty two. That helped a lot. That helped a lot.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we got a sunburn in January.
2: Oh, sign me up, man. (laughs) Good sign me up. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your for your time and, and uh and and for the work that you guys do within this industry, the products you put out, man. I know that uh Andrew and I are are are, are very happy with, with the systems that, that we've bought this year and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming up next. So thank congratulations you. on Sirius TV, Carbon TV, the podcast. Sky's the limit, gentlemen.
1: What's, thank you very what's much. the thank website? You what's thank the you. website, real quick?
3: serious archery.com that's s-i-r-i-u-s archery.com there you go it's like a satellite
1: yep, yep. Seth, when seth gets bored you know it's give him an order and he, he can make you some arrows so that's just right. call him and talk to him for an hour about <laughs> right. trying to
2: get the trying to get the weight into the middle of the arrow <laughs> right oh shoot hey, uh, guys. gentlemen thank you take care thank you guys
3: thank you guys